tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Canadian UFO, Dropped Off DOE, Larry's Rampage, and Priceless Search. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast chris so how are you i'm good i'm well how are you i'm doing pretty good i i went to the post office a short while ago and now i'm i'm supposed to limit my intake of meat and sodium because of a a medical issue previously discussed yes on earlier episodes Mm -hmm. yeah and on the way back though i was like you know what it's my day off. I just went to the post office all mm. the way in Dayton. Because right now I'm living, yeah. living, renting a room in Silver Springs. I might as well stop at Taco Bell and, you know, have like what is basically my Sunday evening dinner. Because tomorrow I return back to work. Right. So I, I went to Taco Bell and I had their latest food item. Which is the crispy chicken sandwich taco. This is okay. This is Taco Bell's (laughs) entry into the chicken sandwich wars. I I guess so. Yeah, I'm having a hard time imagining what this is. Yeah. So can you walk us through it? Imagine if you if you took one of those uh, you know chicken sandwich patties from. Any of the restaurants mm-hmm. that are now participating in, in this thing. And you, mm-hmm. you you cut off like a third of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I've now pulled up a picture. Okay. Of what's going on here. Yeah. Okay. And it's wrapped in a, I, I would describe it as like a chalupa um, uh, mm-hmm. shell, but it's not quite that. Like it's, it's a lot more mm-hmm. fluffy uh, when you're eating mm-hmm. it. And you know it has some some sauce of some sort in, in mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, not, not not like a it's not a very large item, but it wasn't particularly expensive mm-hmm. either. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just I just downed like a couple of those and drank drank a mm-hmm. Baja Blast on the way back back home. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so I. Uh, I mean, it's not as gratifying ex- experience as eating one of those gigantic chicken sandwiches from any place else, but uh, mm-hmm. I uh, I rather enjoyed it. So if if you're one of our fans mm-hmm. who likes to eat at Taco Bell, maybe maybe give it a try and and let us know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell, I'm loving it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. And if Taco Bell would like to <laughs> sponsor this podcast, of course, we're completely open to that. That we were not paid for that one. No, no. This this podcast that was just a free endorsement. Yeah. Uh, it looks to me like this Taco Bell chicken situation. It looks like. Um, are you familiar with the cheesy gordita crunch? Um, I'm. Sh- uh, it's been a while. I think since I've consumed or one. CGC. If okay. You're in the know. <laughs> yeah. Um. This looks like the. It looks like the flatbread or soft kind of uh, squishy. It's like a fatter. It's not a tortilla. It's clearly made of like 
like it looks like a flatbread. Yeah. That goes on the outside. It looks like the gordita outside of the cheesy gordita crunch. Okay. You know, and uh, you know Taco Bell they have like their six ingredients basically and they're just you know rolling the dice and combining things. I ha- I have to say I I am genuinely genuinely genuine genuine I am absolutely impressed by, <laughs> by mm-hmm. how much mileage they have cranked out from just like oh yeah figuring out like okay it's incredible yeah the taco bell food labs must be a hell of a place to work you know what i mean like (laughs) i would be i would definitely like take a tour behind the scenes if i ever got the chance over at taco bell you think there's like some sort of willy wonka-esque type figure who um oversees (laughs) stuff maybe in the company of a chihuahua yeah, maybe. I think we probably don't really want to know how that nacho cheese is getting made. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, one- I was just thinking I was just thinking of like you said Willy Wonka and then I immediately went in my mind to that Futurama episode with the slurm. Oh, yeah. I do remember that episode. Yeah. And then I was thinking like slurm is like the nacho cheese. <laughs> Or the Baja Blast, rather. Crystal. <laughs> Chris, uh, ever the eternal optimist, Chris, Crystal, thinking that that stuff's coming out of some giant, disgusting creature. When in uh-huh. when the the terrifying reality, I'm sure, is like you go in, you go uh-huh. into the Taco Bell factory. There's like a big container full of chemicals, and another container uh-huh. full of chemicals, and a pipe where they both like. Both of the stuff gets combined and then like they yeah. go through a thing that adds orange, you know, yellow dye 17 and red dye four to produce uh-huh. that particular orange color. <laughs> um, so are you more grossed out by that than the, you know, the possibility of some like starship troopers size insect creature being milked from various orifices for Baja Blast. Is that more gross to you? You know, it it was funny. I was talking recently (laughs) with someone about the topic of like eating bugs. I know that's, that's, Uh that's something that we've kind of occasionally hear about now. It's like, Oh, you should eat bugs because there's lots of protein in them and be really efficient. Why not? And there was someone who was like, oh, well, what kind of society are we becoming where we're going to be eating bugs? And my my response was like, well, I mean, is that in one way, is that any more like dystopian than the idea that we are like at this point, like breeding chickens that grow so quickly, they literally can't stand up. Um, yeah. Like in a way that sort of, you know, that, that the sort of, that sort of like cold metallic, like machine mass production thing is just so like, yeah. so horrifying that, you know, yeah. like, like, I mean, I don't know, bring on a giant slug like creature. That's like ex- expelling some ooze into a can or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, we, I mean, we, we as a society already have integrated bee vomit into our diets pretty well, and then celebrated even. So, 
Did you say it's delicious? Yeah. Wait. Did you say hmm. e vomit? B like oh, b like vomit. Yeah. Honey. Oh honey yes, just yes. Bee okay. B b yeah yeah b yeah yeah. yeah and everyone man. loves honey. Everyone loves honey. I love honey. <laughs> yeah, honey's great. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. Uh, you know. I uh, listen. I'm not getting in and I'm not really wanting to get into all the ethics of eating meat versus not eating meat. But yeah, I can, I'm glad that people are like open-minded to the lab grown steaks and stuff. Like I can see a future where I would be perhaps if they get the flavor, right. I would be happier eating that. I think than maybe, you know, a steak from a cow just because it would come, it wouldn't be surrounded by all that death. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so this has gotten to be real weird. Um, let's let's Taco Bell. Let's talk. I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I see those endorsement checks rolling on in now after this yeah. this episode. Wow. Uh, if you want to talk about Jesus a, a, a non weird topic, we we can talk about <laughs> UFOs. <laughs> Um, Should we talk about some Canadian UFOs in uh, Season 5, Episode 16 of Unsolved Mysteries? To my amazement, we still have some residual Canadian listenership. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. So thank you for for tolerating our our program and any offenses that we may have given given over the the, the years. Have we been hard on Canadians? I I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so, but it's always best to like, you know, just, just, just be sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, they're not like those lousy Australians. And ladies and gentlemen, she has inadvertently put the relationship with Australia and America on the line. It could be destroyed any moment, ladies and gentlemen. And let me show you right fucking now what I'm talking about. Man, we, I'm kidding. We, we got um, no, no <laughs> listenership le- left in Australia. Uh, anyway, I, well, <laughs> actually, we do. I, 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 I see those numbers. We do. Th- thank you, thank you, um, all, all of our, our, our listeners down under too. Um, so yeah. some, I'm sure someday Unsolved Mysteries will have a segment about UFOs uh, landing in your neck of the woods. But right now it, yeah. it's it's Canada's turn. Um, yep. This uh, I believe this this landing was in what was it Ontario? And that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> and we get a situation where this um, a description by this. Uh, woman living in a house that seems to be literally in the middle of nowhere. Her name's Diane. Mm-hmm. And she goes to the window and she see, like they have a reenactment of her looking out and seeing sort of what looked like a line of red fires off in the distance. And this is actually a UFO segment I do remember seeing uh, distinctly as a, oh, a kid. Yeah. Okay. Um, because it was strange. Right. Because, yeah, because there's these fires and then we get this, this UFO, this like flashing flashing uh um rave light on bl- blinking on it that lands next to the fires mm-hmm. and i guess you know it hangs out there for about 10 minutes before lifting off and and flying away yeah and just just to be clear this is the reenactment portion right of right the segment, right right correct yes yes okay cuz cuz yeah th- this is what 
I probably what stuck out to my mind when I first saw this segment as a kid is yeah, mm-hmm. we, we get a reenactment. It's all good and fun, but the the real the real unique thing about this segment is that we allegedly got some real live in-person footage of a UFO. Um, who, who was it who received, well, it was like some UFO researcher, right? Received a, mm-hmm. yeah, he received a, a, a non, non, anonymous tip, uh, an anonymous package in the mail. Uh, yeah. I think his last name was Oxler. <laughs> Oxler. <laughs> it sounds like the last um, name of a UFOologist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he looks like a Bob uh, Oaksler. Yeah, but uh, he lives in he lives in the U.S. He's not Canadian. Oh, okay. So. This is becoming an international incident. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got he's got like a pretty. I, I, he, he, I believe he plays himself in the reenactment of him opening up the package and looking at the VHS tape. Um, he's got a, he's got a pretty pretty balding head uh, about. Mm-hmm. What I would expect to see my own on my own forehead in about three or four years time. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, yeah. In in the reenactment, they show him like he there's some some documents with the the VHS tape and the VHS tape. Very weird um, labeling scheme on it. It's in sort of a neon mm-hmm. green ta- uh, um, label. Uh, with the, just the word guardian on it, right? Yeah, it just says the guardian. Yeah. Or is it just guardian? I think it's just guardian. Okay. And it has a thumbprint next to it. I guess that's... Mm-hmm. That's... Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming this is... That's a- to authenticate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> as being from the guardian. <laughs> exactly. And we get some... some Holy... Sh- I'm sure when I first saw this as a kid, I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the footage. There's this. This is proof that UFOs exist. You were all in at this point. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm sure as I, I've talked about as a kid, I was always always checking out those um, like in the in my school school's element uh, in my elementary school's library, always checking out all the paranormal books, and you know, it was just like this. This has to, you know, this is proof, absolute proof here. Um, mm-hmm. So we get footage of what it was depicted in the reenactment, like uh, like a mm-hmm. string of like different little fires, and then a mm-hmm. bright light on what must may seem to be some sort of craft with like a strobe light effect on top of it. Uh huh. Yeah. Now, someone uh, puts forward the proposition that like well this is surely authentic footage because the way the camera is moving this is clearly someone who's like walking forward towards this thing while recording Mm -hmm. and so you know they're trying to get as close to it as possible because certainly any (laughs) any hoax would would not think to do the exact same thing of course (laughs) right of course yeah uh there, um, uh, and what's interesting because the reenactment earlier, where Diane's looking out the the window, I mean, she sees the UFO fly off 
and the the burning lights go out. I to my knowledge the and granted they don't show the entirety of the videotape, but uh, it doesn't seem like the the Guardian videotape actually shows that part of the. <laughs> No, whatever's happening is happening pretty stationary. Yeah. I mean... It seems like... I mean, the camera's shaking a lot, which is really annoying. Yeah. Because, obviously, if the Guardian knew to have their video camera out at the time, perhaps they could have brought their tripod (laughs) to help with that. Ah, yeah. And then we could clearly see what this is. Um, I don't know if you want to get into this at the end of the segment or right now when we're talking about the Guardian tape, but... I mean, what did those now that on a second viewing as an adult, what did those lights look like to you? Um, it looks like there's, you know, like five or a row of like five or six road flares, you know, the the red, the red kind mm-hmm. and someone's, um, you know, the set up something with a bright light uh, shining towards the direction coincidentally where the the cameraman is recording this and there is some sort of you know what what the kind of light that you would eventually start seeing at raves um a few years yeah. from from the time of this videotape recording uh that's what i think i'm seeing because yeah. i don't think this is a ufo um, my first reaction in seeing this, because I actually rewound it a couple of times, just because I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something Yeah, spectacular, um, it, it predominantly looks like like backup lights on a regular vehicle, like the back of a car <laughs> with the red lights and stuff. Yeah. And then the it, it, it really did kind of look like a car to me generously i thought it might be like a stealth bomber because it kind of had it kind of has like a a front cab where a person would sit and then it tapers off towards the back and then the back has the red light so that's why i was thinking vehicle yeah it may have been um military aircraft but it also the way that it was filmed i couldn't tell if it was close to the ground in the night sky. I would assume if it was in the night sky, we might have seen some like the moon or some stars or something. Mm-hmm. But it's just black and then there's some blurry, vaguely familiar lights. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, now that you mention um, sort of, you know, the, the thing about a vehicle, uh, longtime listeners of the pod will remember that I used to work for a mosquito abatement district. And sometimes that involved driving a fogging truck out uh, at night. And anytime I was running the uh, the fogger, I had to put on the uh, these flashing lights. So <laughs> I wonder how closely my vehicle may have actually resembled gu- <laughs> what Guardian recorded. Yeah, I mean... I, th- I think even within Unsolved Mysteries, we've seen more compelling videotape than this. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Chris... I mean, in other segments. But Chris you know, still... They, did, did, did any of those tapes have a thumbprint for authentication? <laughs> um, they did not. No. no. Uh, admitted, they didn't. Admittedly, like, um, included with the Guardian tape 
was uh, some documents. And Mm -hmm. I guess that they were like whoever put this together and sent it off thought that they were going to, I I guess if they included these, these, these uh, documents that they surely just made up on their own, that that like would make it seem all the more official. Uh, Mm -hmm. But when they speak with some Canadian law enforcement type guy, he's like, no, the, the, this, this, these are not official Canadian documents. Um, I mean, uh, someone could have actually made, you know, with a little bit, a minimal amount of effort made documents that look closer to being like the real thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the documents talk yeah. about like all sorts of crazy conspiracy stuff. And included also was like a photograph of allegedly like an alien, right? Yeah. That was part of the footage. Um, oh, okay. I think. It was part of the tape. And even in the segment, Oxler or whatever, Oxler. Yeah. was like, why would someone do that? Like, that would so obviously make it a hoax <laughs> if you included that. Because it's clearly someone in a costume. Yes. Like, even the UFO guy is like, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you have this extraordinary tape of, 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 of a UFO? And then you, right. and then, and now you're, you're, you're including these, these, these these still images of a of what it's clearly someone yeah. in a costume. It, 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 yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bob Bob Oxler is basically saying if you want to do a better hoax than this, like here's how, and it's don't show up in an alien costume in the same footage as your UFO or whatever. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, when they made the Blair Witch Project, they knew better than to like have someone dressed up in a witch costume running around. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that would have been stupid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, what's so funny about this uh, segment is, you know, I, I mean, we get a reenactment of someone running up, you know, recording the, this UFO uh, with their their camcorder. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure pl- plenty of UFO enthusiasts were really excited when this this footage came out and i can only i can only you know uh yeah i'm I'm sure they're like oh this is it this is this is the key they they can't deny it's real now and then little will they know that (laughs) three decades from from this this episode the the actual mm-hmm. U.S. military would would release footage of like pilots being like this thing's right. moving all over the place. This can't be a, a, a another right. plane. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just it's yeah. so funny. Like like if I, I mean if you were big in the UFOs in the early '90s, you kind of had like that like oh mm-hmm. man, I'm going up against the man. They don't want this information to come out and right. and how crushing it is now that basically the man is just like. Here's the here's oh, yeah. the footage. Here you go. <laughs> well, you know, I I think I mean what's interesting about the US military finally releasing that footage is that they were lobbied very hard. Um there was actually a commission set up in Congress to investigate these. I mean, there is a commission now, but like early on, uh, it was actually Harry Reid, uh, yeah. who was a Senate majority leader at the time, was very interested and understandably so. I mean, Nevada is huge for UFO sightings, mm. right? And, yeah. um, 
you know, that's where Area 51 is. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually, you know, Harry Reid was even the Senate Majority Leader was even having a hard time getting to the bottom uh, of some of these things. And, and he was trying to get these tapes because he knew people were seeing something and um, he actually put in a pretty serious inquiry and, and got some money behind it. So if not for him, I don't think the uh, Pentagon would have, you know, they've been releasing footage over the last couple of years. If, if not for that, you know, we, we'd all think everyone's very silly. And I, you know, that's I, Robbie, I think it's fair to say that the position of this podcast in general is that UFOs do exist because unidentified flying objects are a real phenomenon right. and they, uh, you know, so, but back to this segment though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so I, I'm assuming we're, we're kind of both thinking this was, uh, someone either recording something yeah. that acts kind of accidentally looked maybe like mm-hmm. a UFO or maybe mm-hmm. a slight possibility someone set up a hoax type thing. Um, right. Yeah. 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 I, whatever this compelling evidence was after looking at the actual VHS footage a couple of times, I'm like, I just kind of, it looks like car lights to me. <laughs> a little oh. bit. It looked like a familiar object <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how does this segment end? I don't remember. I just watched it, but I don't remember. Oh, um, I, th- I think, I think basically, um, well, I think, I think the last bit of, uh, footage was just, um, uh, you know, we get the, we get the reenactment of like, they do a reenactment of whoever this guy was who was recording this on, uh, on the VHS tape. And then, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Osh, whatever, um, it's like Oaksler. Oshler. Okay. It's like Oshler, whatever. Yeah. He's sort of, pont- I think he like, I remember him sort of pontificating, like we don't know what guardian is or who guardian is mm-hmm. or, you know, and, right. and like <laughs> he talks about guardian very excitedly. I'm sure as a kid, I was like, man, it just like, I pictured guardian mm-hmm. as some sort of like clandestine organization. As, a, mm-hmm. as opposed to being some guy who <laughs> recorded something once on a camcorder that looked kind of like a UFO. He's like, hmm, I can do something with yeah. this. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the corroboration really comes down to this woman, Diane, right, who says in 1989 and 1991, which is about a year before Oshler, Oxler, whatever his name is, receives the Guardian tape, corroborates what she saw. Yeah. Um, in the same area. And um, when I was reading through the wiki, I don't remember if this was mentioned in the segment or not, but I was reading through the wiki. The first sighting that Diane has is over a swampy area in Ontario. And immediately my mind went to Willow the Wisps. So it's, you know, uh, certain gas emissions coming off boggy or swamping areas have been known to put off like eerie or strange lights. Okay. Um, I mean, this is a, this is a phenomenon. I mean, if you've if you've played an RPG, you know about Will of the Wisps. I'm pretty sure it's in the Magic cards too, but it's a real <laughs> phenomenon, and people have been, yeah, uh, people have been witnessing it, you know, since the beginning of time. Basically, over, you know, it's caused by swamp gas. So that's immediately what I was thinking. Um, but then, um, you know, unsolved mysteries basically goes to commercial 
at that point. There's no update, because how could there be? Yeah. Uh, but there's, Robbie, there's a bit of an update in the wiki, <laughs> which oh. I think is worth talking about. Okay, let, let lay it on me, because I haven't read. Um, so, uh, the, the colleague of Dr. He's not a doctor, Bob Oshler. I was this guy named something Lightfoot. And in 1992, I think it was later after they'd received the tape, Lightfoot met with a man, um, who, um, he met with a man who believed he knew the identity of guardian. And he claimed that his, this man claims that his friend, Bobby Charboy, had an uh, interest in UFOs and called himself the Guardian in the past. So, um, uh, basically, what happens is this other faction of UFO investigators okay. starts um, questioning this person that questioning the relationship between the person that. Lightfoot met with and this woman Diane mm. and Diane who they said in the segment would not have been part of the hoax um, so fast forwarding to 1993 which is either after this episode of Unsolved Mysteries went to, into production or um, before it was released uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police investigate Diane's claims of low flying helicopters near her house. Cause remember she said right. she saw the UFO and then she saw a helicopter flying after it. Um, and then I guess some neighbors did report seeing helicopters in the area, but none reports seeing them fly low. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police investigated um, uh, Oshler uh, locates another person who claims to have seen the lights, yada, yada, yada. Um, the witness also complains, uh, claimed to have been abducted by the object. Oh no. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so the police basically go in and go, nah, there's no helicopters in this area, at least flying that low where there was no evidence of any fire. Then this other, the mutual UFO network, this other faction of UFO investigators were very skeptical of this abduction story. Um, they become very skeptical of Diane's story and they start putting it together um, that, uh, you know, maybe Diane knows a little bit more than she's saying. So when the Unsolved Mysteries, um, you know, Diane goes and says, I don't know anything about UFOs. I wouldn't be interested in this. Dr. Oshler, not, I keep calling him a doctor. He's not a doctor or anything. Oshler kind of confirms like Diane wouldn't create this hoax. Um, but it takes this mutual UFO network basically casting like some more light on this. I guess even the producers of Unsolved Mysteries noticed that Diane had several UFO UFO books on her bookshelves Ooh. when they went to go film her. Yeah. So I mean just this whole thing's falling apart. By 1994, Oshler's retired from UFO investigation. So he's out of the game after this whole thing. And basically the UFO community like ostracized him. Um, based on his poor handling of this case. Um, oh, man. Finally, in 1995, the Mutual UFO Network releases a report stating they believe the case was most likely a hoax. Um, they, along with several several other experts, believe that Diane's nephew's truck with several lights attached to it was used <laughs> to create the object shown in the tape. Oh, man. Um, due to the dark background and other special effects, it, it could appear as if the truck was a UFO flying in the night sky. I, I'm seeing me looking at the tape didn't appear that 
that was moving, it looked like the camera was moving. So if that's what they mean by flying, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so Mutual UFO Network believes that the Lebnex, Charleboy, those are people involved up in Ontario, and possibly others were involved in setting up the hoax in the tape. They also believe that Oshler knew that it was a hoax, but went along with it in order to benefit personally, financially. Of course, he was featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries as an expert. Um, Diane Oshler and other UFO researchers still insist that the incident was real. And unfortunately, Oshler passed away in 2020 at the age of 71. So ostracized from his UFO (laughs) community, one presents. So I don't know this. I mean, I I was kind of skimming over all the names and the relations and stuff. But basically, it's Diane's nephew's truck with a strobe light on it. Okay. <laughs> Dang. I wonder, I mean, obviously nowadays people are a little more savvy uh, about the UFO stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But if, if I'd been driving my mosquito abatement truck around 30 years ago with the, the lights flashing on mm-hmm. top and kind of, you know, in the rural mm-hmm. places I go with it. Yeah, I very well could have been recorded on VHS and then people would have mistaken me, mistaken me for a UFO. So, mm-hmm. um, wow. Thank you. Thank you for that update. Uh, that, that, to me, that uh, that's that's a juicy bit of um, UFO ology gossip. Um, dang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you want to um, do you want to <laughs> do you want to take a hop, skip and a jump from <laughs> from? Yeah, let's get out of Canada. I I don't know what type of segment this was. I, well, yeah, because the was this a missing persons? What was this? Well, yeah, because that's the thing is like, it's really weird how it I mean, Obviously, because it has it has that up it has an update sort of update at the end, but the update mm-hmm. is kind of like you know it leaves room for still there to be a a call to action. Um, I mean, I would assume, yeah, like I would assume the intent of recording this would have been like mm-hmm. here's this. It, it would have you know it would have been treated. You know, to me, this 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 is sort of like it should it belongs in the category of those like cases where they find someone with amnesia and it's like, help us find. Yeah. Who this person is. Um, I thought this might have been an amnesia segment. Right. Right. But I didn't see I I YouTube was weird and I didn't see the um title card this segment oh. when it started oh. so I'm, I'm not really quite sure what to call this it was it was it uh amnesia oh okay um you're asking about the the actual segment designation yeah i, I think i think they just threw out missing persons oh, okay all right well that's i guess that's what it becomes but it's also a missing persons where no one's really looking for the person <laughs> possibly so. not yeah um this is yeah this is just excuse me this is a strange one this segment also like this is a segment that also really stands out in my mind i remember seeing this as a kid 
Really? Yeah. This woman's dancing really just stuck out in my mind so much that like it's mm-hmm. it's stayed with me for three decades now. Um, yeah. And, um, and I thought well, that's where it starts. Yeah. And, yeah. Is with a young woman dancing in the meridian of a big boulevard. Yeah. And I thought uh, and as a kid, I was like, oh, did she lose her memory and she doesn't remember who she is? Um, yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I did not to interrupt. I just, I just, just had to mention that. No, yeah. no, that's value. That's valuable. I mean, this this episode kind of seems like it stuck with you so yeah. far. Yeah. You remember the UFO one, mm-hmm. and then this segment as well. Um. So yeah, in in nineteen ninety in the fall of nineteen ninety two, uh, uh, someone driving down the street notices this young woman, uh, just dancing in the meridian. Which, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, yes, the dancing was very jester-like. It was a very court jester-type dance that the reenactress, is that a word? I don't know. That's fair. The reenactor uh, decided to do. It was a It was a choice. Yeah. Um, if if, you know, if I was a medieval I, I, king, I, I guess I would be kind of, you know, entertained enough yeah. by that. I mean, with no television or anything else, like, it's like, well, I need yeah. something to pass the, the, the few hours with. So, yeah, it was, yeah, court jester like is what I would describe it as. But, you know, I, I think in this day and age, basically, we, you know, we just hand those people a sign for like a, you know, new subdivision complex or a cell phone <laughs> store. You know, we give them a job. Right. When we see this. We pay them for that. Uh, but yeah, she's just out there on her own. And, and so the guy who who spots her kind of gets, you know, worried for her because she is in the middle of this busy street in the, in the median. And um, so he pulls over and he starts asking her questions very, very quickly determines that she probably can't hear very well. Um, she might be hearing impaired or deaf. Um, so we we don't really know. Uh, anyway, he convinces her to get in the car. Um, and he takes her to the Ventura County police station. Uh, you know, they do a reenactment where the police are trying to communicate with her. Um, she doesn't appear to be like unwell or anything. Yeah. She just is, was just kind of grooving in the middle of the street. And that's not enough for the police to like hold her or anything. Cause I guess you know it's not a crime and they can't get any information she doesn't appear to be in distress is basically what it comes down to so yeah bad um, dancing isn't isn't enough to (laughs) yeah dancing like a court jester is just like unusual but but not she didn't seem to be upset or hurt or anything like that so um they they release her and um you know, at the time though, when she's at the police station, they ask her if she has any kind of wallet, and they start. She's wearing this like, um, what do you like, poncho type thing? Uh, you know what? A, yeah, what I'm talking I, about. I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, because it, it's not, it's not technically a poncho, but it's, it's this big, yeah. um, sort of like voluminous, uh, thing. Right. Of of like. The sort of material you'd expect out of a poncho. Um, right. It's the thing. It's like the hooded thing. And it's got the big pocket in front. I don't know what this is called. I know it has a name. You guys know what I'm talking about. They were ubiquitous in the 90s. People had them everywhere, at least in California. So they, so the cops are patting um, this woman down. And they, they don't find any wallet or ID or anything. But they do find that she has a receipt from a bank in San Diego. Yeah. So... 
who knows? Anyway, uh, so they release her. Um, you know, the next day, they, a cop actually this time finds her just wandering along the busy street in and out of traffic. And the cop notices that this woman's really confused. And um, so, you know, she was kind of actively putting herself in harm's way this time. So the cop picks her up, takes her to a homeless shelter for women. Um, you know, she's not, this woman's not able to communicate, like, anything about herself. Um, she doesn't know, she doesn't know, like, formal sign language. No. Um, like, you might expect some someone that was hearing impaired to know, which I thought was kind of interesting, but she is able to do some pantomime and mimic things. Um, she seems eager to, at least in the reenactment, she seems really eager to want to communicate with people, but like, but can't. And they mentioned yeah. um, also that she ha did a lot of like, what's referred to as home sign language, which is, it's not an actual mm -hmm. for formal language. It's a, a term to describe, um, like the sort of gesturing that like mm -hmm. a small child who's trying, trying to communicate might do. Mm -hmm. So it kind mm -hmm. of like, it gives this impression and things they'll discuss later. It kind of gives this impression that like of a, a deaf, deaf woman who, who was never formally really educated in sign language. And, mm -hmm. As a result, like, I mean, this would be, like, kind of close to, like, not actually knowing a language at all. Yeah. I, I, it felt, do you rem I mean, is this a Nell situation? It's kind of what came to mind. Do you remember that movie oh, with Jodie Foster? Uh, yes. Back in the 90s? She, uh, the, she's, Where? she was a woman who lived out in the, the middle of the wilderness and she. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, so she had her own sort of, like way of communicating that was not it was entirely her own sort of thing and so yes. like, yeah yeah so in what's interesting is they bring in so the shelter brings in a communications specialist named chris barrows and uh, we get some interviews with chris during this during this uh segment and chris uh you know in the reenactment there there chris is like trying to show this woman okay my name is chris i'm chris and they, she writes it down on a piece of paper and she passes this paper to this other woman named marty and then marty says i'm marty and she writes down marty on this paper and then they tr they determine uh through this kind of home sign language uh that this woman's name they write it on the paper is like luxi yeah l-u-c-x-i so they shorten it to lucy they think luxi might um be a nickname for some some type of Spanish language name, and um, so just for their convenience, so they they named her Lucy. Um, then they tried to figure out how old she is because they needed to know: is this person a minor? Um, you know, have they been trafficked? Like, <laughs> right. are they an adult? Did they live leave of wherever they went of their own free will? And so, when the reenactment, when they were trying to determine her age, she had a very interesting way of showing her age. And first it was both palms out showing 10 fingers. And then it was palms facing her showing 10 fingers. And then she put up two fingers and then one finger. So adding all those together, which is what I think they were, they thought to do, they determined she was 23 years old. Yeah. Um, so Lucy, 
as of this segment, have been at the shelter for a while. They had determined, you know, Lucy has the story that she's trying to tell, which is basically she had taken she had taken an airplane to California from somewhere. Um, she had had a child, and then the child has been had been taken from her. Um, you know, the other things they learned at the shelter, like Lucy had very good grooming habits. Um, she she understood when it was mealtime and when to eat and sort of like appropriate social cues, but she didn't know how to cook anything. Um, you know, like I said, when they picked her up, she didn't appear to be injured or distressed or malnourished or anything like that. So they think maybe she hadn't been on the street for very long at all yeah. before they picked her up or before the cops picked her up and brought her to the shelter. Um, so, they're trying to find out who she is and if anyone's looking for her because she's not reported as missing. Um, so they're at a dead end. So they have this woman, they're trying to identify her or if anyone's looking for her. And so then they turn to unsolved mysteries and that's base basically it. <laughs> yeah. And then like it, it was very strange when they gave the update about, you know, we get this text update where it's, um, uh, like, you know, after a few months, um, after the airing of the segment, uh, she, um, uh, Lucy, uh, left the shelter and, mm-hmm. and they're basically like, and, and we hope she made it home. <laughs> it's like, it, yeah, it was- it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, yeah. Uh, hey, look over there. We don't know what happened. Right, right. I mean, it's just it was this sort of strange, like, oh, let's just let's just close this case. It's like, I mean, you could yeah. still ask people, like, hey, if you know anything about her, uh, call in, because it's just the thing is, is like, um, well, first of all, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to say, like, I don't know about you, but when i was watching the segment when they talk about bringing chris uh barrels and the the communication specials in in the narration mm-hmm. robert stack says she was brought in to pierce the walls of silence <laughs> and i just groaned <laughs> oh god i they couldn't help themselves um but but the thing is for me, what's so fascinating about this is trying to like figure out what happened. How did she end up in this situation? Because, you know, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like she sort of conveys the story about coming over on a plane and then shortly thereafter having mm-hmm. a baby taken from her. Um, and so, I mean, you mentioned earlier about like a trafficking situation. And I, I don't there might be some aspect of that to this, like. Like she's a, maybe she was a deaf woman who was living in Spain and, you know, she became pregnant and somehow some connection was made for like someone wanting a a baby. And so they like, she was flown, uh, uh, whoever took her, you know, on a plane from Spain into the U.S. Um, Mm -hmm. She gave birth and they just... We're able to just, you know, get the the baby off to whoever was um, paying up the money. And then they just left her in in the U.S. Um, And I mean, to to me, that like that totally 
uh, um, uh, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, just like, and they, and they, they picked her because she was like, she, whoever like knew like, oh, this will be an easy target because she actually hasn't been instructed in, in the sign language. So when we bring her Mm -hmm. into the U S like she won't be able to communicate with any, anyone like, Mm-hmm. You know, like like we we the chances of us getting caught are going to be virtually zero a- after mm-hmm. you know after we're we're done. Um, yeah, and it's just yeah, it's like oh man, uh, it's that's really interesting. But it's also at least from what they were presenting in the segment, she doesn't appear to be like skittish around people. Oops, I keep hitting my mic and saying oops. Um, she doesn't appear to see be skittish around people. Uh, she seems pretty gregarious and friendly, as far as we can tell from this segment. So, oh, okay, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what's going on here. And to further complicate things, here's some. Do you want some more? You want to update from the wiki? Yeah. I really hope that my mic did not just pick up my stomach growling the way that it did. I didn't get a chance to eat today. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> they heard that. Okay. Um. Yeah, in 1993, Lucy left the shelter and and just vanished. Um, that December, uh, she was found in Cotati. Cotati's up in uh, Sonoma County or Northern Marin County, if I recall correctly. So that's um, kind of far away from Port Hunamini, I think. I don't really know where Port Hunamini is other than it was in Ventura County. So that's pretty far away. Um, and she, when she was picked up in Cotati, she had a small amount of meth with her. Oh boy. And then doctors determined she could actually hear, but had the mental age of a nine year old. And then soon after she vanished again. So, oh, and then there's some reports of her as of 2014 being found in homeless in Santa Paula, California. Oh, wow. Well, that's Um, unfortunate. But that's not confirmed as her. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking the like, let me look at this picture of her because there's a picture of her. Yeah, pretty clearly in the wiki. And it was the same picture that was in the segment. Um, She I mean, I'm not a doctor. okay, but there are some facial features that would lead me to believe that maybe there was like a chromosomal issue going on here. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so to make of that what you will. Yeah. So fascinating. Um, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but just like, there's like some facial tells that are not, they're not like her eyes are super far apart. Oh, okay. More than they would be. Um, and she has a really strong jawline and chin. And like, those are kind of things that are sort of tells for some chromosome issues, which can, impair hearing or mental capacity and stuff like that. It really depends. Not a doctor, not diagnosing anyone. I'm just thinking there was probably maybe not a trafficking. I mean, let's not eliminate a trafficking situation, but maybe more adults with mental impairment situation. Okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't, uh, I mean, I'm looking at, at at the actual Lucy right now. It's like, Oh, okay. You know, I can kind of uh, like, I guess I didn't, pick up on it because i was running with the idea like that she was from spain so i there goes our spanish spanish (laughs) listenership um uh 
We still got whoever's listened to us in Portugal, though. Um, but um, I mean, it, the thing is, is like that explanation, that explanation, um, that does a lot more to explain what one of the really big things, which is the the dancing, the court jester dancing out on the mm-hmm. out on the street uh, the 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 um the in, on the, the 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 highway or wherever it was um because i mean that was the thing that probably always stuck with me it was like why is she dancing around like that uh when i saw mm-hmm. the segment as a kid well that was the, well that was the reenactment that was the actor's choice right i mean yeah, th- made. <laughs> that's true because and the narration stack does say frolicking so maybe in reality yeah. she was just she was she was going from one place to another place so it's just she was doing it in a mm-hmm. you know hop skipping along you know sort of way um mm-hmm. uh but but still, like I mean, it's like if you if you just suffered some traumatic whatever, why are you why are you just dancing around like a or skipping around like a, a, a you know? Um, and so okay, I mean, well, in, in any case, um, that was that segment. <laughs> Yeah, that was that. And then this is going to be this. Um, So, yeah. All right. We're going to again. This was one of those segments where I'm like, what is this? Like, you've just told us a story. But what's the call to action? I guess with um, what with uh, Lucy, it was, hey, do you know this lady? I guess that was the call to action. And that's that's the thing with that. When they when they have that update, like it is so like anti call to action like well lucy left the shelter we hope we hope she she found her way home (laughs) yeah exactly well this this in that i mean this segment that i'm about to talk about really has very very little whimsy in it but it's also like well what it was this a wanted segment i i'm i'm i think that was the that was the um the the title oh, that oh because it's because the segment so seamlessly went into the update there was no update it was like oh just here's the whole segment beginning to end we know how it ends and there's no call to action I'm I'm thinking I was waiting for something I'm thinking what maybe what they're doing with these Amazon Prime uh-huh. version or per- versions that they're throwing out there or that Film Rise is doing is I think. Mm-hmm. I seem to recall when I'd watched Unsolved Mysteries as a kid, there was a lot more cutting back to Robert Stack in the phone, you know, bank set mm-hmm. and him mm-hmm. being like, here's the phone mm-hmm. number. Um, so right. if you know about this, you know, call in. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe what the, what the good people at Film Rise are doing is they're sort of just, they're, they're snipping that part out and they're just inserting in the, the, um, the update but you're right i did the thing mm-hmm. i did notice about this upcoming segment is that the update was just like it's so f- flawlessly transitioned into it it looked like 
mm-hmm. <laughs> it was filmed at the exact same time as the segment. Yeah. So it, it was less. Yeah, that's that's why I was like, what's the, the mystery here? Where it's, I thought there well, was going to. Well, no, well, I'll, no, I'll get into. No, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. It's 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 not an unsolved. Uh, it, it looks like it's from some other show, not unsolved mysteries. Instead, it's yeah, solved it story. Feels like Dateline or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's another one of these like dateline segments. Um, so in that sense, I don't really feel like the need to go into great detail about it. Also because it was super violent and not cool. Um, so uh, th- we're going to talk about Janice uh, Morris uh, and uh, who Geraldine George. Yep. So I guess Jer- Janice and Geraldine had a situation worked out where Jer- when Geraldine was at work, she would, take her kids over her small children over to Janice's house for to have them uh, have Janice watch um, them. And so this particular night when Geraldine gets home from work, she goes over to Janice's apartment and she tells her kids, you know, just go back and into our apartment and I'm going to talk with Janice here for a minute. So Geraldine and Janice are talking. Well, when Geraldine um, goes, uh, back into her own apartment she finds her estranged husband larry inside the the one thing i thought was very interesting choice about this reenactment is that they put larry in his fatigues so they're saying how he was um a former soldier who so he's a former soldier yeah uh and i guess at this point you know they'd been estranged for a number of years geraldine actually had a, a restraining order against him um so, you know, there's, there's a reenactment of a big argument, but I thought it was a really interesting poise, choice to put him in his fatigues. I don't know if that was accurate to what had happened or what. Well, I um, mean, I would be inclined to guess that this was like, you know, on when the, when they're making the reenactment that it was like, um, you know, the director is like, let's put him in the, 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 the fatigues. Um, and, but I, uh, one thing you may, may have missed and um mm. that and it, it's it's a detail about him where it's like well you know it looks a little outlandish but i could there's a possibility it could very well have been is because they mentioned that larry like uh he became a survivalist so oh okay <laughs> so i mean i still think All right. I, I, I still i still think it may they may have just been like oh survivalist well <laughs> we can have a fun costuming yeah. decision with that but you can't yeah. discount the possibility that, that he was going around <laughs> in that camo all, all the time yeah it was really weird <laughs> it does um but yeah i mean I, I assume probably for this they couldn't resist a uh the producers couldn't resist a trip to the uh army surplus store yeah um so so anyway some bad shit goes down over at geraldine's geraldine runs over to janice because larry in the reenactment rips the phone cord out of the wall so geraldine can't call the police or the her parents or anything geraldine runs back over to janice's um janice is on the phone with her mother and can't hear what geraldine is saying and geraldine's screaming at her like janice get off the phone call 911 you know my ex-husband has got a gun over there at this point uh larry busts into janice's place uh shoots janice straight in the chest um corners uh 
corners Geraldine, shoots her as well. At this point, Janice's boyfriend, Janice the neighbor, uh, his boyfriend, has run downstairs with all the commotion. Um, and it kind of happens in the stairwell, so we don't see it because this is still network television. <laughs> but right. um, Larry shoots uh, Larry shoots Ralph, the boyfriend, right in the back of the head on the stairs. And, um, you know, the only talking head we really get besides the uh, DA in this situation is actually um, Janice's mother, who had been on the phone with her at the time that Geraldine ran over. Yeah. Saying, call the cops. Um. Yeah, it's just a sad scene. And basically what happens, I guess I guess at some point this would have been a wanted we're looking for Larry. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah. Um this oh, yeah, this happened in Tal- Talladega in Alabama. Um so but we don't there's no call to action or anything cuz it goes straight it goes straight into uh it goes straight into like live police footage <laughs> from the update of them picking up Larry. And I guess they found him like f- fishing in Delaware. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we get an interview with the two detectives who went undercover to go uh, talk to Larry. And I guess and they, they basically end up chasing him. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. I guess they went undercover as fishermen. Was that, was that what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably. That must have been yes. fun. Uh, yeah. Um I yeah, but presumably they didn't go undercover as like truck drivers. <laughs> no, know. yeah, that would that, that would have uh, that would have seemed strange, yeah. Uh. So we get some video of Larry running down the river in his underpants. <laughs> and um you know, some some more info from how it went down from one of the detectives that went undercover. They arrest Larry. Um, they charge him. They find, though, that he had this whole encampment that was full of ammo. Like, they, we, we have the actual footage yeah. that the cops took. Full of ammo, hunting knives. Uh, there was a spear gun. What the fuck? Um, what? He had a little TV and a generator. I mean, he was, he was just Christ- hunkered down and, you know. Christo... He was preparing for yeah. for this for years. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, which is really disturbing. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, and uh, he's on death row. So. Yeah, good. Oh, Geraldine survived, though. I think that's worth mentioning. She was paralyzed from the waist down after that incident, but she did survive. So it was Janice and uh, the Janice, the neighbor and... Um, her boyfriend Ralph that were killed, but, but Geraldine did survive. So, um, yeah. And that's the tea on that. As the kids say, uh, Larry went to jail forever. Okay. Um, that wasn't really an unsolved mystery again. That was the Dateline segment. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, we're running kind of long and I don't really have anything else to say about that. So Robbie, unless you want to like weigh in on like what a bastard Larry is, I don't really, I mean, he's a real bastard. I, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, that's the unfortunate, like, shame of, uh, of this, um, <clears throat> world is that you got someone like Ralph who has some really cool hair and he, like, he gets murdered and like this freaking Larry guy gets the want. I mean, I did, did, does the wiki say, did, did he get executed yet? Is he gone? 
Um, no, I I think he's he's still on death row. Oh. Well, at least he's locked up. Um, No eating MREs and fishing for him. Our our next segment, it's a lost love. It's actually to this. This was a little bit more of an interesting lost love. Um, Basically, you got this guy named Eugene Price who's searching for some of his siblings. Um, His uh, his mother. Um, uh, and father got divorced because his father, Harley, was a real bastard. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, it, like, they have this reenactment of him meeting um, uh, the, uh, Ronnie, is uh, the name of the mother, in a bar. Mm-hmm. When Ronnie's 16, uh, she's just hanging out in a bar. Um, uh, and Ronnie... Uh, is, is at this point a a grown man who has a a wife and a kid and uh mm-hmm. starts uh, starts starts a relationship with Ronnie uh, they end up uh uh being together for a number of years and they have kids uh, unfortunately Har- Harley Harley he is a raging alcoholic they have a reenactment where he mm-hmm. comes home drunk and knocks down you know the two trash cans on the curb um, obviously that's, that's, you know, uh, I guess, I guess if you're a kid in, in the price family, you're, you're like, Oh, we know what kind of night it's going to be now. And, and the yeah, reenactment, yeah. And the reenactment, he comes in, he's got like a leather jacket. He's got a beer in his hand. Um, you know, he sort of bumps into, knocks over the TV tray upside down, um, uh, because of his drunken stumbling around the the reenactor, you know he's 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 going with the classic like stumble around because I'm drunk's uh, setup, and then we also get a reenactment of him <laughs> loading the kids up in the car and then going to a bar and having them wait outside while he goes and goes in. Um, mm-hmm. Always always a fun experience when you're a kid and your 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 like parent is like I'm gonna go into this adult place. So you just wait out here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why didn't he just leave them at home? Well, I interpreted it because they talked about like, it, you know, in addition to like being the, you know, all the other asshole-ish behavior associated with being drunk. I, like they showed like he liked to play like power games with the mother Mm, where they show, I see. yeah, they had like uh, there was a brief little reenactment where he's got like the two oldest boys, um, sitting uh, outside uh, uh, the front door of their apartment, and the mother, he's making the mother watch while he's like, uh, he's like, hey, you kids, you guys, you you got a choice. If you have to choose, you know, if your mom and I split, you're going with her. Or are you staying with me? And in the reenactment, the kids are like, we're, we're staying with you, Dad. And Eugene Price and in, in the, the, the real Eugene Price in modern day interview is like saying, like, we we learned to just say we're staying with you, Dad, because if we said that we're going with mom, he would become, you know, he basically uh, Harley would become like 10 times angrier and start to, you know, get 
abuse, physically abusive. Uh, so finally, Ronnie eventually like is like, I can't take being with this guy. And so she leaves. But she leaves without the kids. And mm-hmm. then... I, you know, there's a situation like she, she wants the kids to come with her, uh, to come join her. But like the legal authorities are like, no, if you want the kids, you got to go back to your husband. And so like uh, what we get is the family just, you know, all the kids get split up and divvied out to different places. Um, yeah, I'm I. What uh, every I mean, everyone in the story, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> Ronnie, what the fuck? Um, Harley, what the fuck? Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, le- legal system. And- uh, legal system. What the fuck? <laughs> I, OK, so I mean, I realize Ronnie, who is probably who obviously was having trouble at home and that's how she ended up with Harley. Um, at the age of 16, uh, you know, probably did not have a chance to develop very good decision making or planning skills. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at this point, she has five children. So. But still, like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like, I mean, We've seen other reenactments, uh, segments on this show where someone's like fleeing an abusive husband and she takes mm-hmm. the kids with her. <laughs> Usually or makes other arrangements. Yeah. Or, you know, for the kids make, to be make sure the elsewhere. kids are yeah, somewhere, anywhere else. Um, yeah. Um, it takes her two weeks to be like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have left them there. I, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> right. I mean, so, you know, if this was 20 years earlier, so like in the 1940s mm-hmm. or even earlier in the 1930s, I mean, this would be the sort of mm-hmm. situation where you'd have like a Georgia tan just waiting to swoop in. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, for sure. Like, come, swings by, uh, you know, Harley's like, so I understand you, uh, your wife uh, left you and you got these five kids. Uh, I can take them off your hand. You know, and she starts examining them and weighing, weighing them to, you know, already got got their buyers lined up. But yeah. Uh, right. Uh, Wait, did you already mention how their house was hit by lightning and caught on fire? No, I haven't mentioned. Oh, God, you're right. I, <laughs> that's before she leaves. That's before she leaves. So uh, no one was yeah. no one was killed or in it. But yeah, like no. completely incinerated their home. Um, yeah, I guess I guess this is a real shit show. Yeah, just this whole thing. But the 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 good news is they um, they managed to at least locate some of the the siblings, right? Yeah. So so the daughters went to the orphanage, and then the, the two sons stayed with the dad for a time. Yeah, I, guess. I, I, and, I think uh, it, it was actually kind of um, relatively easy to piece it all together because like a bunch of the kids went together to the same spot so once once you kind mm-hmm. of track through there you can you can probably cobble mm-hmm. it all together um yeah i think i think one of uh one of the brothers he died before the 
the you know the segment mm-hmm. was filmed. Yeah. But but we get a we get a, a happy family reunion. So yeah. There you go. They all met at a uh, they all met at a uh, diner because this was filmed. The reunion was filmed. They met at a diner called Senate or Senator. Yeah, because you notice that neon. I sign? saw the neon <laughs> sign. Welcome to the Senate. And I was like, why? why? Yeah. <laughs> when I first saw that, I missed that it was in a diner. I was like. Wait, why are they doing their family reunion? On- yeah, I know it was weird. I'm like, are they in? Are they in like you know Hart office building or something in DC? What a weird place for a reunion. Yeah, but there's also no sign in any of those cafeterias that says "Welcome to the Senate." Like that's not a thing. Yeah, so it must have been some kind of restaurant where they were, wherever they were, New York, Detroit. I don't know. Right. I don't know where any of this is. Uh. Robbie, if people would like to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Go to Patreon, give us money, reenacted. There's that. Yeah, Yeah, that'll definitely touch us. (laughs) Uh, Then, uh, you know, in any of these reenacted pod, you know, so either Twitter at reenacted pod or send us an email Mm -hmm. reenacted pod at gmail.com or uh-huh. uh you know uh facebook reenacted fans uh page uh i, I saw uh-huh. i've seen some people uh uh start following that page i should probably post some more oh. stuff on there then. yeah um uh and yeah uh please go to itunes give us five stars or don't go there at all you don't have to yeah that's another option for yeah. you are we still doing the contest at this point yeah we got a contest for um yeah so we're trying to get to what was it 90 reviews and then at that point we'll do a drawing so if you leave your username in itunes and we get to, once we get to 90 we're going to do a drawing yeah. for a prize of a random ass thing that robbie's <laughs> found and described to you way back in episode 90 so um you can go enter the contest that way um i wanted to mention about the patreon we've created another tier so thank you so much to all all of you have been who have been donating uh you know at five dollars a month that's tremendous that's what pays the hosting fees for this podcast we added another tier that's basically like if you would like to give us a tip one dollar a month you can do that it doesn't get you access to all the exclusive stuff we put on uh the patreon feed but it certainly does help us keep the lights on so five dollars was maybe maybe not your speed and you just want to say hey thanks uh one dollar a month that would be tremendous because an aggregate you know it really helps us keep keep the keep the lights on pay the producer um you know, pay the hosting fees and all the costs associated with the podcast. So that's patreon.com slash reenacted pod. I'll put that in the show notes of uh, when we release this podcast, like I always do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs>